Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. New York became the latest state to legalize recreational marijuana this week in opposition to federal law where it's still a Schedule One controlled substance, making the United States even more so a great place to become a billionaire or a federal convict for selling weed. To explain, we reached out to Kyle Yeager. I'm the associate editor of Marijuana Moment. And Kyle, for anyone who doesn't know, what is Marijuana Moment? Marijuana Moment is a uh, cannabis policy wire service. Um, we cover cannabis policy from the local to international level, but our uh, our main focus is on state legislatures and Congress. Okay, so it's not like high times. It is not like high times, no. We are the wonky uh, cousin, I guess, of high times. <laughs> um, so Twice removed. And the reason we're talking to you today is because yesterday there was huge news. There was a big marijuana moment in this country when New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, a very controversial figure, did something outside of his controversy. He signed a bill to legalize marijuana in New York State. Yeah, big deal? Yeah, a huge deal. Today we are ending a 90-year prohibition. It's hard to overstate. New York is set to become the second biggest marijuana market in the country. We're talking um, automatic expungements for countless people with prior cannabis convictions on their records. And then just symbolically, you know, New York could boost momentum to legalize regionally in neighboring states, but also uh, federally. I mean, this is the Senate Majority Leader's home state, same with uh, House Judiciary Chairman Nadler. And we're going to talk a lot more about expungement later in the show, but I want to talk a little bit just about legalization for now. What took New York so long? I mean, they're behind South Dakota, which legalized marijuana back in November, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, you know, the governor has included proposals to legalize marijuana in his last three budget requests. Um, Meanwhile, Legislative leaders have been working on their own legislation for, for almost a, a decade. And while they fundamentally, you know, agreed that it was time to stop criminalizing people over cannabis, they've butted heads. You know, until now, negotiations have consistently stalled out over key provisions like should adults be able to grow plants for personal use? How should tax revenue be appropriated? What should the licensing structure look like? Um, the rules around impaired driving were also a major point of contention up until, you know, the very end in this round you know, they resolved those issues, um, I think, in no small part because Democrats had more leverage with a supermajority in both chambers this session and because the governor 
didn't want to be seen as having failed to make good on his pledge to legalize for another year. And where does that put us now as a country, the United States? How much of this country has legalized recreational marijuana? That would be 16 states now, um, plus D.C., and then, you know, put another way, that's 40% of the American population live in a state with adult use legalization on the books. Well, South Dakota voters said yes on both Amendment A and Initiated Measure 26. This legalizes medical and recreational marijuana. And I should mention, while um, South Dakota voters did elect to legalize adult use uh, marijuana in the November 2020 election, a state judge ruled um, in February that the initiative was unconstitutional because it violated what's known as a single subject rule for amendments, which is kind of wonky. But basically, because the measure tackled legalization comprehensively, it dealt with licensing, taxes, penalties, etc., Uh, The court said it needed to be handled through the constitutional convention process instead of as a simple amendment. So um, but advocates are are planning to appeal that ruling with the state Supreme Court. So we'll see what happens. Okay, so a bit of an exception in South Dakota. I apologize. Yeah, so a little bit of an exception for South Dakota. But I will also mention that there are moves in other states still this year. We're going to see more states legalize in all in all likelihood. Virginia is probably next. The legislature put a legalization bill on his desk. Um, he just proposed some amendments, um, including to push up the timeline to allow for lawful possession and, and home cultivation. So the legislature is going to take those up and, and give final passage. Um, I think it's on April 7th. Yesterday, New Mexico lawmakers held a held floor votes on a legalization bill and a separate expungements proposal um, that cleared committee in a special session uh, convened by the governor. Rhode Island lawmakers are advancing legalization proposals, including one that's from the governor. And uh, I would say also in Connecticut and Minnesota, I mean, there's legalization bills moving all across the country. Oh, last one, Delaware. In Delaware, legalization bill passed its first committee last week. And those are just the recreational states. We haven't even started on medicinal marijuana. How much of it's legal in that case? Yeah, gosh, I mean, the the vast majority, advocates have different definitions for what they would define as an effective medical cannabis program. Um, Like, you know, some states just allow limited CBD, others are more comprehensive in how they approach medical cannabis. If you look at it in a more uh, (laughs) liberal way, it's like there are only like two states left without some form of medical cannabis. Which two are those? That would be Idaho and Nebraska. What's up with Idaho and Nebraska? No sympathy for medicinal marijuana? Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Um, Nebraska lawmakers in particular, I mean, there's a, there's a duo, Senators uh, Wishart and um, Moorfeld, who have just been really leading the charge. Lincoln State Senator Anna Wishart introduced LB-474 to legalize medical marijuana. But, you know, these are Republican-controlled legislatures. They have historically resisted reform. But I mean, in, in both of those states, there has been action this session to to enact reform. Um, in Nebraska, you know, those senators that I just mentioned are moving to put adult use legalization on the ballot, for example. Hmm. I mean, you mentioned Republicans and Democrats and whatnot, but this doesn't feel like an issue that's sort of split among party lines even anymore. I mean, the former president didn't pursue violations of federal marijuana law too tough. And John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House, who's a, you know, banner Republican, is like now involved in the marijuana industry, right? Congress over the last couple of years has has pretty much stopped any real enforcement. But federally funded institutions cannot touch this, can't do research. Most every university takes federal funds. They don't, they don't want to get close to it. 
uh, you got the banking system uh, that is scared to death to take this money, so there's a lot of cash rolling around. And so uh, uh, it's time for the federal government to take another look at this. And, uh, and I think descheduling this drug, allowing for the research, uh, would be very helpful to the American people. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at polling, I mean, this is, this is a bipartisan issue now, especially medical cannabis. I mean, we're talking upwards of 80% support, you know, including a majority, a strong majority of, of Republicans. It's just when you, you know, enter state legislatures or you enter Congress, for some reason, there's this disconnect between the, the will of voters and their elected officials. So, I mean, you're right that this is a, this is a bar- bipartisan issue now. Um, it's just taking a, a little more time to trickle into, into um, legislation. How big is this industry right now in this country and how fast is it growing? It's enormous um, and, and growing, especially with the addition of New York. Sometimes you need to stop worrying and take a deep breath. Sometimes you need cannabis. Introducing Brightside, high-quality cannabis delivered right to your door. Brightside offers an extensive menu of strains and products to meet your needs. Choose the experience you want, and we'll send you the dankest herb, the real sticky icky. It's already, it's a $1 billion a year industry in Colorado alone, and it contributes hundreds of millions of dollars in in tax revenue annually. Um, In New York, there are projections that the cannabis industry is going to be worth $4.2 billion within five years of implementation. $4.2 billion. That's right. And it's just going to continue to grow from there. You know, that's been the trend in in other states that have legalized. I mean, what's remarkable, I think, especially amid the pandemic, is that if you look at data from Oregon and from Illinois, at a time where businesses have been shuttering, where people have been cash-strapped, you're seeing month-over-month record-breaking sales. Last year, legal sales in the U.S. hit a record of almost $18 billion. In five years, experts believe it'll total $50 billion. Why do you think that is, Kyle? It's almost as if people really like marijuana. <laughs> I think I think that's pretty much that's what it comes down to. People really like cannabis. Um, and I think this pandemic has just um, really exacerbated some of the anxieties that people have and people, you know, seek out cannabis for. And also the fact that we're all stuck at home. What are you going to do after your Zoom calls? Hey, I know you don't smoke weed. I know this, but I'm going to get you high today because it's Friday. You ain't got no job. And you ain't got shit to do. It seems so innocuous. You know, I'm going to eat a little gummy and fall asleep in 16 states where this is now recreationally legal. Or or even, you know, smoke some weed for my chronic pain, which might be legal in as much as 48 states. And yet, important to remember through all of this, that marijuana consumption is still, by and large, completely illegal at the federal level, right? That's correct. Where does the Biden administration stand on this issue? The Biden administration is is not supportive of adult use legalization, and that was confirmed by the press secretary this week. He spoke about this on the campaign. He believes in decriminalizing the use of marijuana, but his position has not changed. This is someone who, during his time in the Senate, came from a very drug warrior mentality, helped craft legislation that was really punitive as it concerns um, not just cannabis, but other other drugs. But, you know, that said, he's he's evolved to an extent. He does support medical cannabis legalization. He is in favor of expunging prior records, decriminalizing marijuana federally, letting states set their own policy. 
But um, when it comes to recreational legalization, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens when legislation is introduced and potentially sent to his desk because Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is working on that. Um, he said the bill is going to be released shortly. Same on the House side, the MORE Act um, from, from Chairman Nadler, uh, he said that he will be reintroducing it this session as well. And Biden caught a little bit of heat for what, like preventing people who had prior marijuana arrests or convictions on their records from working in the White House. Is that true? Yeah. Um, so the this was the Daily Beast report about um, dozens of staffers who had been either fired or otherwise penalized, whether it's a suspension or placed in a remote work program for admitting to prior cannabis use as part of their um, background check process. The White House um, has clarified that, you know, they say only five people were fired because of how they answered these questions. The press secretary later clarified that these were not for infrequent use or from use that was years ago. But, you know, while she was quick to say that the administration has a more lax policy compared to past administrations, she also said Biden would not unilaterally change the White House's employment policy with respect to cannabis until marijuana is federally legalized. So there's still that risk factor, despite the fact that uh, Vice President Harris, for example, has uh, joked about using marijuana in college during her presidential campaign. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhale. I did inhale. inhale. Okay. <laughs> Is this putting President Biden out of step with the American people as far as public opinion on this issue is concerned? He's he's far out of step with with public opinion, which I think shows... You know, the polling ranges, but we're talking usually mid-60s, but constantly growing in support of legalization. But more specifically, he's vastly out of step with his own party. You know, a supermajority of Democrats support comprehensive legalization. They support expungements. They support, you know, holistically ending the drug war and promoting social equity in these industries. And he's just kind of stuck in this holding pattern with no signs that he's willing to budge. Hmm. And do we have any idea why? Is it just because he's plain old-fashioned, or or is there something else going on here? I will say it was recently reported that he felt that backing legalization while he was still campaigning for president, he felt that would have alienated uh, certain quote-unquote working-class voters. And while the evidence really suggests the very opposite of that, it's hard to square just because the polling is so consistent and he has this data available to him, but... Um, there's also the fact that, you know, his family has a history with substance misuse, um, and I think that might play a, a factor in this. But I think he's an old school guy who's still kind of holds on to certain myths and, uh, and stigmas around, around marijuana and other drugs. I think what will be interesting to see is when and if a bill gets to his desk, would he veto it? You know, it's like we, we know he's supportive of more modest reforms. He's recognized the harms of criminalization. But is his opposition to adult use so strong that he would actually reject legislation, you know, that's presented to him to finally end uh, federal prohibition? And until that day, we're just stuck in this sort of patchwork of recreational legalization, medicinal legalization, and the illegality of marijuana by and large at the federal level. Yeah, exactly. Something's got to budge eventually. I mean, Mexico's Senate is expected to vote on a legalization bill within, you know, the coming days. Mexico is on the verge of becoming the largest legal cannabis market in the world. So we're going to be bordered by two countries with legalization on the books. The maple leaf is turning green. 
Canada, our neighbor to the north, becomes one of two countries in the world to legalize marijuana for recreational use. In the interim here, one positive piece of news for advocates is that Attorney General um, Garland had said repeatedly during his confirmation proceedings that he does not think it's a wise use of Justice Department resources to prosecute people for acting in compliance with state marijuana laws. We can um, uh, focus our attention on violent crimes and other crimes that uh, 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 put great danger in our society and not allocate our resources to something like uh, marijuana possession. Under the Obama administration, there was the Cole Memo, which laid out guidance to federal prosecutors that generally deprioritize that kind of low-level enforcement. The uh, new attorney general seems to be following suit, and so I don't expect any kind of crackdown, but you're right. Um, this patchwork is going to persist um, until federal law changes. Kyle Yeager writes for Marijuana Moment. It's nothing like high times, but they're cousins, twice removed. Find Marijuana Moment at marijuanamoment.net. Find high times at hightimes.com. We got to do that one thing, and then we're going to talk about justice. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. So uh, on Tuesday, I tweeted in all excitement over New York's marijuana victory. I can't stop thinking about where Marley Graham. Queen Adasui is with the Drug Policy Alliance. It's an advocacy outfit that's trying to end the war on drugs. Ramarley Graham was an 18-year-old from the Bronx who was chased by NYPD into his home and tragically murdered before his grandmother as he allegedly was flushing marijuana down the toilet. Um, and it was the fear and the stigma behind his possession of marijuana that really led to his death and murder by police. That took place when I was a senior in high school. I was 17. He was 18. I'm also from the Bronx. 
I mean, at that time, I, I never really had a world outside of the Bronx. So it really shook me at that time. And it still shakes me to this day. And now the same plant is now being legalized in New York. I mean, it's important that we reflect on the individuals who are lost, people who have been deported, people who have really been uh, traumatized and dealing with the, the impact of marijuana enforcement throughout the state. Can you give me a bit of the history of how marijuana has been policed differently across the country, across different communities in the United States historically? Yeah, so marijuana is used relatively at the same rate across races. But throughout this country and historically and currently, Black and brown and low-income communities have been disproportionately impacted by marijuana arrests. So one of the latest reports from the ACLU shows that across the country, Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana as opposed to their white counterparts. Again, despite the fact that Black and white folks use marijuana at similar rates. And in some places, that rate is as high as nine to 10 times more than likely. So when we're thinking about the effort to really roll back marijuana prohibition, it's really critical to to sit in the fact that certain communities have been impacted by criminalization more than others. Um, and when we're we're looking at the industry that's being born of advocacy efforts and being born of legalization, it's it's tragic to watch the industry being dominated by white males um, who are wealthy, just because we can acknowledge the fact that the brunt of of prohibition has been borne by communities of color. How are states making justice a part of the picture? States are more and more paying attention to racial justice and paying attention to justice reform. So we're not seeing things happen like in Colorado, where when legalization happened, people who had criminal records around marijuana or other drug offenses were being shut out from the industry. Colorado's effort to legalize marijuana happened during a time where legalization efforts were not necessarily grounded in racial justice and justice reform. And folks were not having the same kind of robust conversation about expungement, resentencing, homegrown. Um, and New York's legalization effort and the, the bill that just passed um, and is going to be is signed into law now just has a far more progressive provisions in it that actually speak to what people want in the community around the inclusion of criminal justice reform provisions, the importance of making sure that the majority of tax revenue is used for community reinvestment. And it's definitely a marker for the rest of the country to look to. How many people are still being arrested for, you know, small possession of marijuana each year in this country at this point? Yeah, so we see uh, over 600,000 arrests a year, and the majority of arrests are for possession only. Um, and, and that's the, the, the sad part about how our enforcement actually impacts people um, and the, the principles behind why we're even doing this. The majority of people who are impacted by marijuana arrests are people who have small amounts on them, people who are using for personal use. With all of the legalization and with expungement being a bigger part of the conversation than it has been historically. Are you feeling hopeful about the future? Yes, I'm definitely feeling hopeful about, you know, the marijuana justice fight broadly, just because we successfully really shifted the conversation from should we legalize to how we should do it. I mean, we made history last year in 2020 with the passage of the MORE Act. For the first time, a chamber of Congress actually voted positively to end criminalization on the federal level through this racial justice and economic justice lens. But I think we're really flying a plane while building it at the same time in terms of what is the exact best ways to make sure that we're reaching the most vulnerable in our communities and to make sure that we're actually building out an industry 
within, you know, a capitalist system that will be centering, you know, marginalized folks. I think something that advocates haven't really felt like they have a grasp on when we're doing this work um, is pushing back against capitalism. That's essentially what's happening. You know, post-legalization, we're really trying to grapple with how to make a capitalist system more equitable, which is a huge feat. Yeah, the first time I got high uh, was back in high school. I was actually coming back from Bolivia. I went my sophomore and junior year. I stayed in La Paz, Bolivia, where my father is from. And having gone to a private school, I was surprised to see my buddies at a sleepover party pull out the bong, man, my buddy John. And uh, I woke up still baked. And because I was stressed as a kid, man, like me and the plant, uh, I fell in love with her and she's been with me ever since. My name is Daniel Montero. I'm in San Jose, California, and I'm a career cannabis operator. The first time I was arrested for marijuana was as a result of selling it full time illegally. I got pulled over in Los Gatos, California. I got nervous. I was young back then. I was like 19 years old, 20 years old, and uh, I got caught with nine eighths. So after serving uh, time in the county jail that summer, um, I participated in a RCP program, which allowed me to go from a felony to a misdemeanor. And then the second time I got arrested was for cultivating marijuana full time at my residence. Uh, I turned out the master bedroom. It was a commercial operation. It wasn't personal. And luckily, because I did have a cool, awesome uh, attorney, he allowed me to, again, spend the summer in county jail versus going to prison. So I'm somebody who uh, didn't get that expunged immediately. And because I was able to jump back in the marijuana business, I didn't have to worry about uh, seeking the approval of an employer and so forth. And as uh, I realized that certain qualifications had to be met to participate in the legal industry, especially considering the future of cannabis in California, where if you don't have everything lined up in a row, it's easy to fail. Um, it is at that point in 2017, seven years later, that I engaged with San Jose State University Expungement Program. The expungement process took about nine months or so, about a year. I'm grateful for San Jose State University because I didn't have to do it on my own. They literally held me by the hand. It was a drawn out process going through the court system, going to the sheriff's department and getting my complete criminal record. But nonetheless, uh, I received no judgment. I received positive vibes the whole time. Um, I believe there was some uh, court cost involved. But as far as San Jose State, it was pro bono, man awesome. And it was just, to me, uh, a gift to be able to experience it in that way versus if I were from maybe another city in California and there's no programs like that, it'd be a daunting experience. And it's evolved so much now with being able to uh, expunge records automatically. Um, it's just a beautiful thing to see. Back in 2017, that was not even a thought that occurred to me. We were just fighting tooth and nail to do it on an individual basis. Uh, I'm not jealous. I understand this is a long process to heal from the war on drugs. We're destigmatizing the plant. We're destigmatizing what used to be viewed as criminal activity. So now my self-perception, it's important. And part of the expungement process is being able to look at myself in the mirror and understand that I'm not a criminal anymore. 